Uh, so again, tonight we're going to be going through the book of Philippians primarily. And, um, and so um, what we're going to be doing here is um, we are going to be looking, we're going to be reading through the book of Philippians together. And, um, and we're also going to have you take time to jot down notes and um, so I'd encourage you, if you want to use the little um, sermon notes pad, um, pads that are in the pews, you can do that. But um, what I'd like you to be doing is to just start thinking about the book of Philippians. And, um, and Joel jotted down some questions here that uh, he thought would be some sample questions that might, uh, might prompt your curiosity. And, um, and so the first sample question that Joel jotted down here was how long was Paul with those with him in in Philippi so how long or what how long of a period of time did Paul spend in Philippi and um, and who was with Paul in Philippi and um, and then um, let's see where was Paul when he wrote his letter to the Philippians and so even as you we look at the very first part of the book of Philippians those are some questions that that uh, you might say, these, yeah, those would be good questions. Um, but we'd like you to be thinking of your own questions that you can, you can ask and uh, have answered in the weeks ahead. We won't be able to answer all of your questions tonight. In fact, we probably won't try to answer any of them tonight um, as we just go through this overview of the entire book. And so, anyone have any questions about that? Kind of understand what we're doing? And so we're going to be, uh, again, reading through this. And um, I believe there's a little bit of instructions here. And so you can ask questions, um, observation questions, um, such as what, when, and who. Uh, Interpretation questions, why did Paul say this, or whatever it may be, or how. And then application questions, um, how can this passage uh, change my life? Um, And so... Um, these are some things here, and uh, we've already prayed that the Holy Spirit would help us to understand this better. And uh, then you see the contact information for both Joel and Caleb there, as they're going to be with you here in the weeks ahead. And so, all right. And so, as we begin, we're going to start off by reading uh, from Acts 16, verses 6 through 40. And I'd encourage you to follow along with this. Um, but uh, I believe Kevin Subra is going to be our first reader, reading this kind of extended passage. And um, Logan's going to come with the microphone here, and uh, he, can, he can hold it for you if you'd like, um, or if you, depends on your Bible situation, if you can hold your Bible and hold the mic at the same time, that's great. Um, but uh, starting off with Acts 16, to give us a little background here. Okay, Acts 16, 6 through 40. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, 
we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So now you see why we're reading from Acts 16 um, when we're going to be going through the study of uh, Philippians. Uh, because here we see it has to do with that Macedonian uh, vision of uh, God's call uh, for Paul to go to Macedonia. And Philippi um, is, it says, the foremost city in that part of Macedonia. And so we're just getting some background here on the book of Philippians and, and Paul's journey to Philippi. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, picking up at verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went down out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Verse 16 now. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison and commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set 
food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers, saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now did they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Right. Thanks so much for reading that passage. Do you remember all of that had happened in Philippi? And so I kind of forgotten about that as well. And so it's, uh, it's neat to be reminded of these events that had happened in Philippi, even as we get ready for the study of the book of Philippians. So I'd ask you just to take a few moments, if you haven't done so already, to write a question or two related to this passage that was just read. And uh, yes, we can pass the microphone back um, to Brother Jim there. I think he's the next reader. Um, He'll be reading in Philippians 1 in just a moment. We'll give you a few more moments to write down a, a question or two. One of the questions that Joel wrote here related to this passage is, why did Paul get annoyed with the demon-possessed slave girl? And um, that's an interesting question. I look forward to, yes. It's not very, like, that's that's interesting that that may be so i that will be something maybe that uh they'll talk about next week in the class and so was it in kind of a mocking way you know look at these men yes yeah that was got the you've got the voice down pretty well there for the, the <laughs> yeah okay that's a good question Yes, it does, it does uh, say, as we look at that, uh, it says gr- he was greatly annoyed. So maybe it doesn't say that he was annoyed at the girl, does it? Um, but, and then he turned and said to the spirit. So good point there. All right. You guys are on the ball already here. Okay. Need more time? Ready for us to move on? Okay, let's go ahead and look at that Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. And again, you're welcome to follow along. I encourage you to follow along um, as uh, Jim reads those eight verses. Yep, I'm sorry. It is Philippians oh, 1. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Philippians 1. Paul, Paul and Timothy, bound servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you because offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of our, our participation in the gospel from the first day until now, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it 
until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Um, now uh, we're going to go ahead and let's see. Let's begin uh, together as a group. We're going to read the next chunk of verses here, verses nine through eleven. And so Joel has it set up to mix it up here a little, so we can read some together. So if you can look at the screen, and then we'll all be reading from the same version here. So let's begin. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. All right. And uh, then verses 12 through 30. Was that Larry? Okay. Pass the microphone back to him there. Thank you. I want you to know, brothers, that my circumstances have actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And most of the brothers confident in the, in the Lord by my change now, chains now dare more greatly to speak the word without fear. It is true that some preach Christ only preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former, however, preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can add to the distress of my chains. What then is the issue? Just this, that in every way, whether by false motives or true, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, because I know that through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, my distress will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have complete boldness, so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For, for to me to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. So what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better indeed. But it is more necessary for you, to, for you that I remain in the body. Since of this, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with you, continue all with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my coming you may again your exaltation in Christ Jesus will resound in account of on account of me. Nevertheless, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence, 
I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending side by side for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is clear. This is a clear sign of those of their destruction, but of your salvation, and it is from God, for it is for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are entering the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Okay, thank you, Larry. All right, so that brings us to the end of chapter one of Philippians. And, um, and so we'll give you a few moments to think of some questions related to chapter one. And also um, here in just a moment, we're gonna see if you have any, even a, today, if there's a key takeaway from chapter one that stood out to you, we're gonna talk about chapter one here for a few moments before we move on to chapter two. Yes, that'd be a good question to jot down there, but I would say that, uh, yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep, so he, he is currently in prison, yes. That could be a question as to where he's in prison. Might be one that you'd like to jot down. All right, some of you are still writing, but uh, let's think about chapter one. Was there any key, key takeaways or something that jumped out at you as you were reading this passage? maybe even in light of what happened in Acts 16, and then thinking about Paul as he's writing back to the Philippians. Yes, Jim. Um, back in verse 27. <clears throat> Excuse me. I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, and in one faith for the gospel. What a challenge for us today as we fellowship with believers as well as unbelievers. Are we standing firm Yes. Yep. So Paul uh, writing back to the Philippians, knowing firsthand of the persecution that he endured in Philippi and how tough it could be to live for Christ there, um, challenging them to stand firm. Yeah. Very good. Thanks. Anybody else before we move on? Yes, Rachel. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So you can just, you can feel that it's more than just, uh, you know, with their casual friends that uh, there's just a real deep love that Paul has for the believers there in Philippi. And uh, he really wants the best for them. And so, good. All right, let's go ahead and get ready to move on to chapter two. And um, let's see. 
I think I've given someone chapter 2, 1 through 4. Okay, Sheila, we'll come with the microphone there. Head now? Yes. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think this kind of goes along with what Rachel was sharing about the, the Philippian church and how close-knit of a group they were. And um, it's interesting to think of, um, I think that persecution does cause, cause those that are maybe not genuine believers to, uh, you know, to leave the church, to leave the, the persecution. But those that are genuine believers, those that love Christ and love others, they're going to grow even closer. And, um, and so that uh, is kind of what it's talking of, uh, spoken of there, that, uh, that they're like-minded, that they're of one mind, of one accord. And, um, and so now we're going to go ahead and read verses 5 through 11 together. And so if you could look on the screen with me here for just a moment, let's, let's read together. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of heaven. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then someone else had, uh, beginning in verse 12, uh, 12 through 30. Is that Rachel? Okay. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. 
Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I, that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Okay. Thanks, Rachel. All right. So now it's time to write some questions related to chapter 2. What are some things that, that prompted you to think of some questions there? One that came to my mind was in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, it's kind of like obeyed, obeyed what, or obeyed whom. Um, what are they obeying? And um, it's interesting to think about that. There are a variety of questions that you can come up with here from chapter 2. Last gospel was from your obeyed as well. Back to verse 8 where it talks about Christ himself who is becoming obedient. Okay. So I think when we're talking about obeying obedience, it all has to do with the walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. All right. Good thoughts there. Yes, so referring to verse 8, Christ being obedient and um, obedient to God the Father. Any key takeaways from chapter 2 that you would like to highlight before we move on to chapter 3? I don't know if I'd ever name my son Epaphroditus. <laughs> I probably should have. Uh, he really was a warrior for the Lord. Yes. Yeah, like fellow soldier and fellow worker. Yes. So Epaphroditus uh, really received high commendation from, from Paul and uh, that he was... Uh, willing to serve even if it cost him his life. And uh, so that, that's very, very high praise there. Yes, yeah. So that's a great one. Verse 13, do all things without complaining or disputing. It's one of the neat things about Philippians. There's some very deep spiritual truths and there's some also some very... Very simple truths that, but yet so important. Yeah. All right, we're going to get ready to move on to chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. 
Is that honor that does that? All right. So we'll have honor read verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Well, let's see here. Where am I at? I hit a button and lost my place. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, being like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Okay. All right. Thank you, Honor. And uh, now let's go ahead and read verses 12 through 16 together here. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. All right. And so that brings us to the next passage, um, verses 17 through 21. Okay, Ms. Donna. Okay. I think Logan's going to bring you the microphone there. Brethren, join us falling. Start again. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Okay. Thank you, Donna. All right, so now it's time to pause and write down some questions related to chapter 3 on your notepads there. 
And I don't believe that uh, your regular teachers are going to collect these questions from you. So handwriting is not that critical. But you probably just want to divide them by chapters and so that uh, when you study the different chapters, you'll be able to refer to those questions that go with the chapter. Some today's life, Mark, we go back to verse 2 and 3, and we read that he was referring to maybe different type of uh, uh, ideologies and different type of people in that era. But I think today this kind of summarizes itself in humanism. Hmm. We, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in humanism, which is unfortunately taught by the political system that we have that uh, we, we can fall quickly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting comparison there. Verse, verse 2, talking about beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. And um, when we fail to recognize that we are created in the image of God, that uh, we, that uh, and we fail to recognize that we are different from the animals, uh, that we have a spirit and uh, we are created in the likeness of God or the image of God. Um, you know, what's to, what's to um, cause us to, to live differently than animals, just uh, whatever, the dog-eat-dog kind of world and uh, just uh, living according to your flesh. And so, yeah, interesting, interesting comparison there humanism. Anyone else want to share a question or a thought from chapter 3? Yes, Kevin. Uh, what John had just read, there's a lot in there, but uh, the, one of the, a question and also a comment is this talking about believers or unbelievers, because it says whose end is destruction. And it seems like Paul says, walk the way I do. Mark those that aren't walking that way. But it seems like if he's having to tell them, they could be going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, it seems like, at least in my m- meager years, I, you see believers that aren't walking the way they should, and they get their believers and so on. And there's a right way to go, probably a better way, a right path to walk and a wrong path to walk, mm-hmm. too, that Paul seems to emphasize here. So, mm-hmm. Christianity is more than just a destination. Yes. So. Yeah. yeah. Great thoughts. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Philippians 3 is one of my favorite passages. In fact, my life first is Philippians 3.14. I press toward the, in the old King James, it was I press toward the mark for the prize. And so being, with my name being Mark, it always had a special. But, um, but uh, one of my favorite, uh, well, my probably my best sport in high school was track. And so... This was just kind of a reminder of the finish line and pressing toward the, the finish line. And, uh, and so that's uh, always been a special, special verse to me. All right, well, I think we're ready to move on to chapter 4 then at this time. Um, Philippians 4, 1 through 7. Yes. Philippians 4, 1 through 7. Therefore, my brethren... 
dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Adodias okay. and beseech Sintaichi. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, just uh, give it your best shot. Um, okay. Sintiki. Sintiki. Um, yeah. Uh, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you. Appreciate your expressive reading there as well. And um, yes, <laughs> yes, and uh, yes. This uh, is also one of my favorite passages. Philippians four four through nine is one that uh, our family memorized years ago, and uh, so we've repeated it many times. But we do live in a world where there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of worried people, a lot of people that um, struggle with, uh, again, worry and, um, and anxiety. Um, and here we have um, God's, um, God's direction as far as how we can have peace, peace in our hearts. And so um, even this morning, um, I try to listen to a podcast in the morning. I try to do some stretching and uh, start off the day um, um, stretching myself spiritually and physically to get ready for the day ahead. But this was the passage that was talking about from a, a podcast series saying that's called I Choose Peace. And um, this is just a passage that, that I think we need to really, as Christians, visit it frequently to be reminded. <sighs> Why am I so worried about this? Um, I have a Heavenly Father that wants to take care of it for me if I just turn it over to him. And um, so, but, uh, but anyway, we could speak for the next hour on that passage alone, but uh, we better keep moving here. But um, all right, well, let's go ahead and together we're going to read uh, verses 8 and 9. And so please uh, look at the screen and read together with me. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. And now uh, we have someone who's 
ready to read verses 10 through 23. Okay, June. though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to bound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Nevertheless, you have done well, that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent old once, aid once, and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphrodites the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with you greet you, or who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right. Thank you. All right. So take a few moments to uh, write some questions that came to your mind from Philippians chapter 4. All right. Uh, Sheila, did you have a comment you were going to make there? Do you have the stick mic yeah, here? Sir? I was just going to mention that the verse 13 has always been one that stands out, and I think it's one whether you're Christian or maybe not there yet is one that is a kind of a hope or a promise that would be very easy to understand and that can make a difference. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 13 is a great, great one there. And um, we do live in a world that says you can do anything or you can be anything. You've probably heard that in various movies and TV shows and things like that. And uh, we, can, we can politely say hogwash <laughs> to that. Um, you can only do all things yeah, through Christ and with God's help. And, um, and so that's uh, going back to that humanistic idea of, of uh, you are God. You can be whatever you want to be. Um, yes. Anybody else with a key takeaway from that passage of Acts chapter 4? Again, you're going to dive a lot deeper in the weeks ahead, but some things you'd like to share. Is that a hand up there? Yeah. June? Okay. I'm seeing Philippians as kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament mm-hmm. because there are so many 
short verses that we can pick out and apply to our lives on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. Good. So in case those of you that are watching on live stream couldn't hear, uh, June said that uh, she sees Philippians as kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. And uh, there's just some key verses that are very, uh, have some real wise uh, spiritual principles for us to remember. Yeah, good point. Anybody else? seems like in recent years I've come to uh, appreciate the word contentment more than I did in the early days. I, I used to be thinking of contentment as just dealing with material possessions, but uh, contentment is so much more than that, isn't it? Um, how is contentment more than that? Rather than me talking, I'd like to hear your perspectives too. Well, the writer of Scripture tonight says, peace passes all understanding. Yes. So contentment and peace kind of come hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. Good point. Yes, Kevin. Well, even the contentment in the context here, Paul says that I can be full, like right after a buffet kind of idea, or I could go hungry, and both of those can be okay before God, right? Sometimes He lets me have little. That's okay. Whatever God wants. Physical, but it also impacts us in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I'm thinking that even in, in our various lot, our lot in life, um, whether you're you know up singing or speaking on the platform or you're emptying garbages in the back, um, we can be content, can't we? Um, just uh, fulfilling God's purpose. Uh, for our lives gives us satisfaction and contentment uh, we, and uh, trying to learn to just be obedient <laughs> going back to that word obedient being obedient to Christ um, and being content with that rather than always desiring something else that maybe he doesn't have in mind for us so yeah a lot of great great truths there right there yeah good all right do you have all those questions written down then and, um, and so now the challenge is, can you keep track of them from one week to the next? Um, maybe um, uh, Joel Graham or uh, Caleb Burkow will correct, collect them next week, but he didn't give me the instruction to do that. So, so maybe you'll even be able to, in your own time between now and next Wednesday, you could jot down some more questions. Uh, we won't hold that against you if you do that over the week. 